coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. He had gone and gotten a vasectomy without my knowledge. I was not ready to call that yet. It had to have been a nuclear option for him to do that. Like there had to be, like he knew going into that, I'm going to blow up everything and it's worth it because I can't keep doing this. What up, what up, what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Show about your emotional health, your mental health, your kids, parenting, marriage, dating, whatever you got going on in your life. We're here to walk alongside you and help you figure out what's the next crooked, wobbly step towards a better future look like. And we're here to walk with you. The show's about real people calling with real challenges going on in their lives. And um, I may not know the answer, but I promise I'll sit with you. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291. Or go to johndeloney.com slash ask, A-S-K. And don't forget, building a non-anxious life is still in (laughs) pre-sale. We're going to pre-sell it until January of 2029. So it's going to be pre-sale for nine years or what year? six years. Um, But not really. It comes out October 3rd. We're getting close, right, Kelly? Well, yeah, it's... End of, end of August, so we're getting there. Well, I know, but like when this episode comes out, it'll be getting really uh, yeah, close to yeah, launch Yeah, this date. episode comes out at the almost at the end of September, September. so we're getting really, okay, really so we're close. Really, really close. Um, go pre-order this if you're going to pick it up. It's 20 bucks, and I got a lot of bribes in there for you to make it worth your while to pick it up a little bit early. It'll be in your mailbox October 3rd, so go ahead and go for it. Um, hey, I'm going to call an audible. Oh, great. Yeah. I have got to say how freaking <laughs> proud <laughs> I am. Of John and Ben. Y'all, we had Battle Thank of Bands you. Friday night. And I tell you, we live in Nashville. The talent is high here. I mean, multiple bands that I would pay to see. And it was the most perfect set <laughs> ever. And I've been to 11 Battle of the Bands. Yeah. Ever. The most perfect set. And just my 2000 emo pop punk heart <laughs> was so happy. But y'all, they worked their butts off for this. And I was telling Ben, the just pure unadulterated joy watching Ben. Oh, man. It's just phenomenal. <laughs> I threw out my neck. I, yeah, <laughs> I looked over and thought to myself, he's going to have a hard time wiping for the next few weeks. But I, while Months. I'm playing. It, but uh, yeah, I, I watched that too. Yeah. How much fun Ben was having. It was just amazing to watch y'all. And I know the work y'all put in. And it was amazing. And we had so much fun. And we are all so, so very proud of y'all. Oh, I appreciate it. Hey, having y'all down there on the front row. And it was uh, like, I mean, there's a couple thousand people in there. Having y'all on the front row. And I, I will say this. There was one moment. I told y'all I couldn't make eye contact with you because... I was dressed up like Avril Lavigne um, if she was a six foot two guy. And um, by the way, <laughs> I totally blew this. And if, if I, I wish I had known, I told Ben, if we had had a camera crew with me and filming my exchange with the woman working the register at Hot Topic. You were, I guarantee you, the oldest person in there. Trying to explain to her why I did not want to be in the Hot Topic rewards program. <laughs> And that just didn't compute. And she was like, can I have your number? And I'm like, no, I just want to give you money for that pile and of stuff, of wristbands and, and like elbow pads or whatever. And she was like, I, I, I just need your number. I was like, I'm not going to give that to you. And it just went downhill from there. Chris said it was pretty amazing to get a text that said, hey, I'm at Hot Topic. Does anybody need anything? <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm like, at Wait. Hot Topic. I just spent $100. No, it's okay. It's so like, she, what year is it? She goes, the lady at Hot Topic, um, when I had all this stuff, and she just goes, 
Your total is going to be ninety-seven sixty-four. Would you like to round up the the other whatever twenty-six cents, or whatever? And I just in shame just dropped my head. I was like, yes. Like, I just spent ninety-eight dollars at Hot Topic. <laughs> and did she call you sir because she was no not used to dealing with no elderly people in there? It was very strange. But but listen, I couldn't make eye contact, but I did look down one time, and y'all look like y'all are having so much fun. And I knew that if it was not going well, you have a very distinct look when I'm doing something that's not going well artistically. I've seen it a number of times. But the fact you were you were y'all were having fun. And I heard Jenna singing her little Taylor Swift heart out, which was awesome. That was amazing. I couldn't have asked for any cover of that song any better. Yeah. Here's, here's the big disaster takeaway for me. I have not practiced. Like at the beginning of this thing, I picked, we picked a group of songs. I wasn't good enough to play it, literally. Like I had to sit down and practice. And I made a deal with myself every day, no matter what, you will at least pick up your guitar for 10 seconds every day. And by being that well prepared, it allowed for when the show started to just go bananas because there's muscle memory at that point. And I thought, man, if I worked that hard on this show... It would be so good. <laughs> it would be incredible if I put that much work into it. So it's it's been, it was. I'm glad we did it because now I'm like, I can work pretty hard and get better results than what I get on this show. That's all. Thank you all for coming. It means the world to me. Yeah, the support means a lot. It was awesome. And seeing Sarah down in the mosh pit made my heart really just feel big. It was awesome. All right, let's go out to Pennsylvania and talk to Ellie. What's oh, up? Hi, Dr. John. I'm good. How are you? You know what? I've got a lot to be thankful for. I'm living blessed. Living blessed. <laughs> oh, that means something's a disaster. <laughs> Whenever somebody well, deflects and's like, like, I'm mostly great. That's awesome. Yeah. What's up? It sounds better than I'm horrible, right? <laughs> it may oh, be a little well, less, less, a little more disingenuous, but yes, it does sound better. What's up? <laughs> so I got a little bit of a question for you today, and I'm just going to kind of start with the question and then sort of fill in the gaps. Um, my husband and I are really struggling with physical intimacy. Um, I really, we're just, it's not working. It's not going well. We're not connecting. Um, there's a lot of background to that. Um, we've been married for 15 years. We have six children. Our oldest is 13. The youngest is almost two. Um, when the baby was four months old, I discovered that he had gone and gotten a vasectomy without my knowledge. Um, that was a real game changer for me. I was not ready to call that yet. Um, I have loved being a mother. It's sort of been my whole life. And so it just threw me for a tailspin. Since then, our marriage has just kind of tanked, to be honest. Um, we have just not been doing well at all feels like we've sort of hit rock bottom and I feel very stuck. Mm. And I'm just wondering if you could give me some insight, maybe some advice. So that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right. I would be stunned if he had not had conversations about, if y'all had not talked about this is enough, this is too many, or when you got pregnant again in number six and he started struggling or number five, like, 
that's a strange, bold move just to do out of left field with no warning, no conversation. There had been conversations. I had repeatedly said, I am not okay with that particular option. I'm not okay with that. Um, We had explored other options and even tried some different things. And um, yeah, number number six was a surprise. Um, I was not expecting to get pregnant again. Um, But I did know he was getting done and he did know I wasn't there. So it didn't completely come out of the blue. Okay. So uh, the only way I know how to answer some of these questions that I know are going to get me in trouble, no matter what I say is just to give you what's, um, what's just right at the top of my soul right now. Is that okay? Yes, please. So, um, I believe strongly that when people, when couples get married, when you say I'm all in on you and you're all in on me, that we make decisions like this together. Mm-hmm. I also it, like to flip things around gender-wise and see how does it play on the other side. And I'm trying to imagine a guy calling in saying, I told my wife that she's gonna, and she went and had a hysterectomy or some sort of procedure and she, hysterectomy is a hold. You can't hide that one, but um, went and had a procedure done. And my first thought would be, hey, dude, that's her body. Like, if she doesn't want to go through all of that again. Mm-hmm. And so I'm flipping that around. And I know childbirth is in, incredibly different for a woman's body than a man's body. But I have to say, it had to have been a nuclear option for him to do that. Like there had to be, like he knew going into that, I'm going to blow up everything and it's worth it because I can't keep doing this. And whenever somebody does that, I guess I just, um, maybe this is a fault of mine, but I get real empathetic really fast to think what must have, say, same as if somebody's like like struggling with alcohol. My first thought mm. isn't, I can't believe you're drinking. My first thought is, my God, what has happened in your life that the only way you can get through a day is like this. And so I have to ask, and I'd love to have, I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to ask, like, dude, what was happening in your life that you knew I might blow up everything, but I cannot do another kid. I can't. I'm out. I've lost my wife. I've lost my home. I've lost, I'm scared of finances. Whatever the thing is, that just feels like such a nuclear option. So I guess for both of you, my shoulders drop. And my hope would be, that after 15 years and six kids, y'all have been through a lot of ups and a lot of downs that when somebody pulls a nuclear option like that, that it is not a, everybody goes running for the hills, but it is a, whoa, 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 what just happened here? And it brings you closer together. At least, it maybe not closer together, but at least brings you to the table for you to say, was I that bad? Or was I that unreasonable? Or maybe I didn't hear you right. Or we have to reimagine our life now because I imagine it's with eight kids and you just you just set the nuclear option, right? And so right. I get it's a major, it's a, such a violation. And at the same time, it's such a violation that I'd have to say something else in that in that ecosystem is just a mess. My guess is your marriage has been struggling for a while. Is that fair? That's totally fair. So. W- 
when you say it's just kind of tanked and bottomed out, what does that mean? Do you hate him? Are you so mad and enraged that you can't be around him? Or is he so ashamed at what he did? Like, tell me where that, where that bottoming out is, is happening. So I think I, I wouldn't say I hate him. Um, I, I hate what happened. Mm-hmm. I hate what it has caused. Um, just hold on. But, but everything after that is all the causation is a choice. So yes. it happened. It didn't make you be mean to him and it didn't make him hide in shame and it didn't make you not want to sleep with him anymore. And it didn't make him not want to sleep with you anymore. All those are choices y'all have made on the back end of this nuclear of him pulling the pin. Right. So what yes. are some choices y'all have made on the back end that have just continued to spiral this thing out? I, I think it's choices of like, well, where do we go from here? I feel like I've been betrayed. He feels betrayed. I feel like trust is broken. He feels like trust is broken. How do we rebuild this? And, um, and then it's all about sort of closing in on each individually. Like, well, I need this. Well, I need this. And you weren't giving it to me and I'm, I'm not getting it now. And just a back and forth. Um, and we cannot seem to get to a place where we can move forward from here. And I don't know how to let go. I feel stuck. I, I don't know how to let go of the resentment, the anger, the hurt. What, what is anger and resentment getting you right now? Because it's playing, it's play, it's serving a purpose. It's playing a role. What's it get, getting you right now? Oh, maybe in some weird way, it still means that my opinion's in play. Because I felt like he completely disregarded how I felt about this. I don't think so. I think he absolutely took into consideration your opinion. I think what you can't rest, wrap your head around is you didn't get your way. Okay. And that's a totally different thing. He can hear so you. what do I do with that? You tell me. You've got six beautiful kids. You have a family of eight. Mm-hmm. You had a picture where it's going to be a family of 10 or a family of nine. That picture's now gone. So you tell me what comes next. Do you simmer in anger and resentment and despair? Or do you sit down with your husband and say, Mike, it was so important for me that we have more. And you violated that and you snuck around me and did it. And he says, I know, because you wouldn't hear me out. And then you both say, will you build something completely new from the floor up with me? That's the only way forward. There is no going back. There's no going backwards to this. Like, I don't know. Maybe you could get it reversed. So are you just saying lock the feelings up and no, just no, not go there? No. Like, I don't know what to do with the feelings. I'm saying you have, you have chained yourself, chained yourself. You have hitched yourself to your feelings. Feelings okay. are very, very important, but they often lie to us and they don't tell us the truth. They are not, not feelings are not truth tellers. That's not their job. Their job is to get our attention. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so your body may feel like, I hate that guy. And that's why challenging those feelings, writing them down and challenging them. Do I really hate that guy? No, but I'm really, really heartbroken in what he did. And grief demands a witness. I don't think you've grieved this. I think you're at war. And again, let me say this. If he was on the phone, I would say, dude, what were you doing? 
but he's not on the phone. So I can only talk to you. And what you're doing is you're poisoning your home, mm. hoping it kills him, but it's killing you. Yeah. Yeah. And affecting our children and Absolutely. the whole environment. Absolutely. Is this a, a, a deep betrayal? Yes. Is it also his body? Yes. Is that make this super messy? Yes. But it sounds less like he didn't listen to my opinion. It sounds more like I didn't get my way. And that turns it into a, a he won and I lost and I don't lose, not in my house. And I'm just going to tell you that, that, that attitude in a marriage is a recipe for this thing ends. And you end up with this, as a single mom with six kids. Yeah, I don't want to go there. I know you don't. But also, if you don't want to go there, you have to put in the work to build something completely new. So before this happened, after kid three or after kid four, what was the challenges in your marriage? Ooh, um, finances were a challenge. Um, just both of us have strong wills. And so conflict was present all the time. Um, I tend to withdraw in conflict, so nothing ever got resolved. I would just withdraw when conflict showed up, and um, we would never actually get any of our issues worked out. Everything got shoved under the rug. That was just a tip of the iceberg. Is there a chance that he was just a prop in the world that you wanted to create for yourself? I've never thought of it that way, but maybe. Often when other people are playing a part in our picture of our life, when they don't do what we want them to do as a part of that picture, we don't, we go to war. We don't have a, because it's not building something together. It is, no, it's Christmas is going to look like this. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do Christmas like this, then I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to fight you to the death because Christmas looks like this in my freaking picture. And that happens over what time we leave for church and happens over what we have for dinner and when you're going to be home and what this looks like and how our kids are going to be. Because I can see on this side of it, um, if y'all are up till midnight stressed about finances and you want to bring four or five more kids into this thing, I can see that not computing. And also right. the rational part doesn't well, but I can also see you wanting four more kids and he's out buying four wheelers and boats and whatever. And you're like, well, if you weren't buying stupid stuff, then we could afford this big, beautiful family. But it sounds to me like he's a prop in, I will have 10 kids or I will have eight kids or even more than that. I'll get whatever I want. Cause this is my life. And his job is to give me what I want. And if he, you happen to be a prop in his life or if he's just tired of trying to build something together because there is no together because it's going to be L's way or no way or she just withdraws and disappears. See what I'm so saying? How can I change that? If that's who I am, how, how I don't can know. I change that? I, I don't, you just made that an identity and I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want you to, to, to do that. I don't want, I'm not going to let you get away with that, at least on the phone call. I think you're probably a great mom. And I think you can you have been a great wife in seasons especially. I think you are so exhausted that you don't know what day it is. And I think your body is so desperate for connection and your way to get to connection is to control every single variable on the planet. 
Is that fair? Yeah, I'm definitely somewhat of a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> I only know that because your husband went and did something crazy. Mm-hmm. That's madness, right? <laughs> Go to get a vasectomy without even telling your wife. Yeah. I, I don't even know how that would be possible. I mean, I, I know how uh, it would be possible, but like even aftercare and stuff, I just don't understand. I can't wrap my head around that. But ultimately, I think you have to get to a place where I am going to. Well, let me back up. You have to decide my marriage to this man is worth more than me, my pseudo fake pretend control over every variable. You have six kids. There's going to be variables shooting all over the place. That's six different girlfriends and boyfriends and six different, I don't want to date anybody's and six different struggling in different classes. That's six different car insurances and colleges. That's six different, there's going to be variables everywhere. More than I will control, I'll shut this system down. And if I don't get control, I'm going to take control in the one down position. I'm just going to withdraw and go, fine. If you just want that, I'll just leave then. More so than that, you're going to want connection, which means you're going to have to choose vulnerability, which means you're going to have to risk getting hurt. And the irony is the more you try to control, the more you are guaranteeing you get hurt. Because at the end of the day, people don't like to be controlled. And eventually they go off and do something insane or destructive or they're so desperate to feel alive or breathe, they go do whatever. So ultimately, you have to sit down and say, not who's, way, who's getting whose way, but you and your husband have to create a home that's worth living in. Create a marriage worth staying in. What does that look like? Number one, I will refuse to be led around by the nose by my feelings. I will say my feelings out loud. I will process them. I'll have a counselor that I talk to. I'll have a couple of girlfriends that I'll talk to. I will have a journaling practice that I will, I will commit to the end of time, to write down how I feel. And then I will go do the next right thing, whether I feel like it or not. I don't feel like being nice to him because he made me what? How can I love you today? I don't feel like picking up the trash after these dumb kids. He's worked 14 hours today. I'm going to go pick up the trash. I don't feel like exercising or I don't feel like going to bed. I want to watch another show. I will go to bed. I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to go do what I need to do. Feelings are very important. Never smush them down. They will come out and they will destroy everything. And they don't tell the truth. That's not their job. Their job is just to get your attention. To signal something in this relationship isn't okay. Something in this relationship is not safe. Strangely, I think the way forward is for one of y'all to go first. And since you called me, I'll suggest you. If he had called me, I would suggest him. But it's a matter of going out to lunch or going out to breakfast or going out to dinner with no kids. And if you say, well, I can't leave my kids, that's problem number one. But you figure out how to pay for a babysitter and you get somebody to watch your kids or a neighbor to come watch your kids. And y'all go out and you say, for the last 15 years, I've tried to control every breath you, you take and I'm not doing that anymore. And for the last 15 years, every time I didn't get my way, I've pulled away. I've run from you because that kept me safe as a kid. I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm going to have to practice. I'm going to have to learn how. When I feel myself retreating, I'm going to stop and turn around and come back in. 
because I love you that much. And then here's the kicker. Would you promise to work on the things that make it hard for me to be safe in this home? Because if he says no, then what are we doing? But if you go first, he may join you. And I would love it if you would have him call me because I'd love to hear his side of the story. But right now is not the time for, you should get that reversed or we're, now we're going to have to go adopt. Now is the time to stop everything and save your marriage. And you're not saving what was. The building has fallen. It has hit the ground and it has scattered everywhere. You cannot sweep up all that glass and steel and wood and smoke and rebuild that building. You got to build something completely new. And that starts with one of you saying, I'm all in, in these ways. Will you join me? And that's a scary, scary thing to say. Hang on the line. I'm going to send you a copy of Building an Unanxious Life. It, it could be a roadmap for you and your husband. What if we built a home that we both liked being in that was loud and chaotic because we have six kids, but was also warm and filled with laughter and joy and a lot of weird, um, silly things that we do and romance and sex again? we chose that life and we built something new are you in thanks for the call Elle. i'm so sorry i know it's a mess on a mess on a mess we'll be right back this show is brought to you by hallow almost every day whether i'm doing my red light therapy driving to work listening to the gregorian chants on the airplane or just sitting on my front porch i spend time using hallow my go-to app for guided prayer music, and meditation. And right now, I'm going through a particularly stressful time. I got big deadlines, big speeches coming up in front of thousands of people, end of school and other family transitions, and on and on. And recently, I made a decision amidst all the chaos to dive even deeper into my faith and spiritual practices, and Hallow is leading the way. Hallow is the number one prayer and meditation app in the world. They have 10,000 plus audio guided prayers and meditations, including daily prayers, daily gospel reflections, daily psalm readings, daily writings, minute meditations, and more. And there are places for people in Hallow who are skeptical and new to this whole faith conversation. And there's places for those who have been swimming in these waters their entire life and who just want to go deeper. And there are stories, audiobooks, and other special things for kids and focuses on mental and emotional health. For listeners of the Dr. John Deloney Show, Hallow will give you three free months. That's all 10,000 plus prayers, meditations, music, lecture series, all of it. Three free months. If you go to hallow.com slash Deloney. That's hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go out to Roanoke, Virginia and talk to the great and wonderful Rachel. What's up, Rachel? Hey, Dr. John, how are you? So good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. Awesome. Thank you for calling. What's up? Yes, and as, as I'm talking to you, you realize that I've been practicing my questions to you in my head all morning. So apologies <laughs> for that. <laughs> no, hey, hey, it's practice is good. It, it practice is good. Yes. Go for it. What's up? All right. Okay, so um, my husband and I have been married for 15 years, and over the years, whenever I have conflict with anybody from his side of the family, so whether it's mother-in-law or any of the four sister-in-laws or anybody from his side of the family, I tend to channel the frustration or the anger from those conflicts towards my husband. 
even though it has nothing to do with him or he has no involvement in those conflicts, I channel it towards him. And the way I justify is, hey, he's part of that family, so he deserves this kind of treatment from me. And I know it's totally crazy, totally unfair. So my question to you is, how do I channel my frustration away from people I love? And I guess even more importantly, how do I get it out of my system is my question, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that you're operating on a bad model. Um, it's a very, um, I'm not saying this in a, in a derogatory way. This is like, a, I'm trying to say this clinically. It's a very child-based response. I'm mad about this over here, so I'm going to spit on you. I, this thing happened to me from this guy. I'm going to kick you, right? Or you see kids, they right. stub their toe at a door, and then they punch a chair, right? Like, I'm going to go get that thing. That's a very right. childish response. It it's comes from an eight. So um, the bad model is that the get it out model has been proven faulty. It's not real. There was a whole, de there was decades where they would tell you to, quote unquote, get your anger out. It's a thing you have to get out. You have to, and you, they have these, they even have them now. They got smash rooms and yell rooms. And I have to tell you what you did. I got to say all these things. I have to get this out of my body. Um, what the research tells us is what it does is it actually reinforces those neural pathways and makes them stronger. It makes the, the, the connections more reinforced. So every time you take your anger on your husband, your body reinforces that as the appropriate way of getting, of making yourself feel better, which is to hit somebody else, to spit on somebody else. And the only way to break that, there's not a way to getting it out. The only way to break that is to grieve it, which I don't think you've ever done, and um, decide I'm not going to act this way. And eventually over time, you teach your body different levels, different ways to deal with that stress, whether it's going for a walk, whether that is writing in a journal, whether that's playing your guitar, whether that's any, going dancing, any number of things. But you have to make the choice. I'm going to stop hitting my husband for other things people are doing. I'm going to stop spitting in his face for something his father did. Now, anytime somebody asks me this, I always have to ask, has he done the work of drawing firm boundaries with his family? He has, yes. Okay. We have together, we have uh, over the years. Yeah. And they continue to violate those boundaries? It's not all the time. It's, you know, some things never change. So we have to constantly kind of remind them. Hold that, on. Hey, you, 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 you actually, you don't at all. You don't at all. What you actually have to do is to cut off contact because they mm -hmm. are opting out of relationship with you. And what you right. really want is you want both and. You want yeah. to tell them what your boundaries are and have them honor them. And they are not. And that makes right. them not real boundaries. That makes y'all right. just annoying chihuahuas just barking a lot. Yeah. That's what it sounds like usually. <laughs> yeah. And instead of saying, okay, we've been very clear. We won't talk about X. We've been very clear. We don't like it when you use that language. We've been very clear. We can't travel on days A, B, and C because of whatever. Um, and y'all have opted out of relationship with us. And it breaks our heart. We're really sad about that. And I hate going that route because then it's kind of you're losing your family, right? When your you family left you. They left you, Rachel. You're just continuing yeah. to let them drag you behind, down, behind the truck, down the street. 
And yeah. you're getting mad at them about the road rash, but the whole time you're hanging onto the rope. Yeah. That's where I say you have to grieve this whole thing. Often that, that feeling that I have to get this out, that's often not anger. That's grief. It wasn't supposed to be like this. I was supposed to get married and I was going to be best friends with his mom and me and his dad. He was going to treat me like his, another daughter and we were going to tell inappropriate jokes and laugh and have inside jokes and none of that happened. Very true. <laughs> you have to spend some time being really freaking heartbroken about that and you haven't. And when you're not, when you skip over grief, when you skip over heartbreak, it comes out as rage and you just start hitting the person closest to you, which happens to be the man you love, right? Right. So you have to decide to spend some time in grief, and that is not fun. But also hurting your husband over something he's not doing isn't fun either. And grief has a weird way of clarifying your next step. Um, as David Kessler says, you end up finding meaning. Here's my next path. It's how after um, a young high school kid gets killed by a drunk driver, and after three or four years, his mom ends up starting a, a nonprofit. Or his mom ends up going to speak at local high schools or his dad becomes, goes back to law school to whatever. You find your body directs you. You find meaning there. And that might be where you're like, you know what? For me and my house, we're going to choose joy and laughter. We're not going to choose to go back into this. So we're going to find other wise adults that honor our boundaries and that we love and that love us. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time. Because sadly for us, our families are opting out of relationship with us. Or... After grieving, then it's like, you know what? We can just go to these things and roll our eyes. I don't really care if you're talking about politics or whatever. Give me an example of a thing they do that just makes you enraged. Um, sometimes, so when we see them, sometimes they would comment on my kids, you know, being either, you know, they're too skinny for what they think they should weigh type thing. They would want to opine on my personal life, uh, things like that. Why do you care what they think? Why do you give them access to your, your inner core being like that? That's where I struggle. I don't know how to block that you out don't of my block head. It. It, it's, uh, it's not a blocking. It's just like, uh, I guess maybe it's a blocking. I'm trying to think of a mental model for that. It's not like your Teflon. Those things like come into you. Like They just don't register the same. It's like when they say it, it just gets stuck with me that every time I see them, the, those conversations rerun in my head, and then I get all that build up emotionally. Hmm. Are they saying it because they don't like you and they're being mean? Or are they saying it because they genuinely care about those kids and think they need to no, I think, fatten them up a I little? Mean, I think, yeah, I think over the years, they always had a hard time accepting me as part of their family. There which, you go. It's been 15 years. Whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. I it's do. not fine. It is not fine because you are, that is rippling through your relationship with them. They've never liked you and they're never going to like your kids. They're not going to like how your kids look. They didn't like how you looked. They had a different picture of another woman in, in mind for their son and he picked you. And they had another picture of what their grandkids were going to look like. Not the ones they got, not those skinny little things. And so they're going to, they have opted out. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And what, 
you and your husband have to do is really grieve that because that's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. And it breaks my heart because it hurts my husband. Yes. And the last thing I want to do is hurt him. It's not, you're not. His parents are. And I know, but it's because of me, right? Nope. He chose you. He loves you to the moon and back. He loves you to the end of time. It's because his parents act like children. And his parents don't actually fully love their son. His parents loved the role their son played in making their life perfect. You're right about that. Very they, true about that. They've been doing that to him his entire freaking life. Yep. And so what y'all have done is y'all verbalized a lot of boundaries, but you haven't lived them out. In a perfect world, your husband sits down with your parents and says, for 15 years, you have not accepted or loved my wife. And for 15 years, you've made little quips and comments and pokes and prods. And now those pokes and prods are rubbing off on my kids. And I let my wife down because I let it go on for years without saying anything or saying, hey, we don't like that, but not really do anything about it. And now that I'm seeing it with my kids, I realize I was wrong to not get more vocal with my wife and especially I'm going to draw a line with my kids. If y'all say these things again and don't fully accept my wife, don't fully accept my kids, don't fully accept our family, you are choosing for us to not come here. And we will get that message loud and clear. That's what he should say. And that is not a conversation for you to have. That's a conversation for him to have. Right. But he, until he decides to stop being a action figure in his mom and dad's little playhouse they're going to continue to try to exert control over every aspect of his life even the appearance of his kids and we have made it clear over and over and you know when they make comments I know but you keep kids. going you keep showing up yeah. you keep showing yeah. up you keep yeah. showing up and that's not that's not <laughs> your parents have learned oh they're just gonna they're gonna they're all bark no bite they're all, they're all bark. They're not going to actually leave. So we can do whatever we want. We're going to continue to push and poke and poke and push and push and poke until one of the grandkids says something back or one day Rachel says something back and then it's going to confirm it. See, told you she's a fill in the blank. Told you she's just like everyone else who fill in the blank. Don't give them that. Now, I also want to be careful because there's a whole ecosystem now. It's like, you just, if they don't, if they don't, whatever your boundaries, you just abandon them and run away. Not necessarily. This is 15 years. 15 years. And my gut tells me there's a racial component to this. There's all kinds of other layers to this that um, kind of oog me out. It grosses me out. pisses me off. And especially when it rolls off of our son's supposed to make us happy and he didn't follow our directions. And um, so now we're going to throw grenades at his kids. No way. No way. No way. The job you have to do, Rachel, is grieve this, number one. Because it should be different. Your in-laws should be so excited that the son they raised, this man that they raised, with good judgment and character and kindness, picked you. And they should be so, even if you look different, you appear different, you are, whatever. They should be so excited that he's head over heels in love with her. 
And it looks different, but it's painting time because we're painting a new picture because this is our new life. We're going to get to know her and learn about her. And then when those kids come along, oh my gosh, you were big and huge and muscular when you were a kid and your kids are skinny little. It's, that's, that's a totally different conversation than, you know what? They should be. What are you feeding? Man. Mm-mm. You're going to spend some time in grief. And you are going to have to open your hands up and realize that you can't control the world. And you're trying to control how your husband feels, how your in-laws feel. You can't. They're grown adults. But you do have to also decide, I'm going to stop spitting on my husband because his parents are children. I'm going to stop punching my husband metaphorically because his parents hurt my feelings. But you also have to sit down with your husband and say, we have to end this. We have to, we have to create some space here because it's hurting our marriage. It's hurting our relationship with our kids. And we can't let outside influences do that. Behavior is a language. And it sounds like your in-laws are telling you, we don't want you or those kids around. And if your husband has any integrity at all, he says, cool. Bye, Felicia. We gone. And he leaves. Hopefully he sits down with them and has a final direct conversation. But you're not the crazy one, Rachel. Spend some time in grief. Spend some time in heartache. Write him a letter. Don't ever, ever send it. Write him a letter about what you really feel and how heartbroken you are. That's step one. Then get a couple of friends and read it to him. That's step two. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go to Drake in Indianapolis. What's up, Drake? Hey, Dr. John, how are you today? Partying, man. What are you up to? Oh, not much. Just on my lunch break. <laughs> and I'm here talking to you. My first time My first time on a podcast, so I apologize if I'm not very good at it. <laughs> well, I've been on a lot of podcasts, and I'm terrible at it. So, same team. I promise you're going to do great. <laughs> uh, what's up, man? We'll make it through. Uh, so, calling today, first off, I'll start off you know, the conversation by saying that my family and my friends mean the absolute world to me, and I'm, I'm pretty blessed to be surrounded by people that love me. But 
I've noticed recently I've become hyper competitive um, with with my friends and sort of the way that like I, I've never really felt like I stack up or that that I'm um, as good as or that I'm less than so to speak. And so really calling today to get some direction as to you know how to change that and and just be kind of at peace with um, you know other people's success and you know my stage of life and and uh, so forth. So, yeah. Um, great question, man. And I appreciate you calling this. Is the, I think the conversation is going to help a lot of people. So I appreciate your bravery there. Um, you cannot be at peace with other people until you're at peace with you. And Fair. innately, whatever is going on in your stage of life, whatever you wish to be different, that's where the, that's where the echo is not in your friends. And, um, right. What have you not grieved? Anytime somebody says they're struggling with comparison, um, whether it's somebody's got another job or a nicer car or a wife or a prettier wife or a prettier hus- a handsomer husband or whatever the th- thing is, it almost always comes back to grief of a life not yet lived. And because I skip over the grief part, the heartbreak part, just sitting in it for a season, I wish this was different and it's not. And possibly take an inventory of some of the things that we are participating in that's making it that way. Um, or dealing with the reality that there's nothing we're doing. It's just not happened. Until we do that, the only outsource is rage and anger and blame. Which, yeah. by the way, is our entire culture. Because we have an entire culture who's outsourced all reality to politics and media. And so they are yeah. we're literally unable to sit at home and say, I wish my life was different. Yeah. Um in terms of what, what your original question was, what, what have I not grieved? Um, I don't, I don't know exactly. And it, it, it kind of sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but I'll say it anyway. Hold on, hold on. Nothing's, um, ri- hey, nothing's ridiculous. Don't do that to yourself. Or don't do that to my okay. buddy, Drake. That's you okay. talking, that's you talking crap about yourself again. I can do that on this show. I do enough of that for me, right? You, you don't do that. Um, <laughs> okay. Wh- whatever your feelings but, is what you're feeling, dude. Just own it. No, I, you know, all everybody's starting to get to the stage of life. I'm 28 and I'm single, right? And so right. everybody's kind of at that stage of life where they're they're getting married, they're having kids, they're 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 starting that stage of their life. And there's really nothing more in the world I want than that. Um, and it just for one reason or another um, hasn't happened yet. Do you right? have? Now, do, I'm still do, young. I'm 28. Do you but, have streaming services? You know, do I have streaming services? Uh huh. Do you um, take ballroom dance lessons? No, I do not. Do you take jujitsu? No, I do not. Are you in a running club? Uh, I do CrossFit. That's kind of my my outlet. Uh, so you're in a cult, okay? So do you do um, <laughs> uh, any sort of re- regular religious services? I do a Bible study uh, most weeks. I haven't in recent weeks because I've gone back to grad school and time has just been okay. a little short, but, but generally speaking, yes. So what I'm getting at is I don't think it's the most important thing in your life. That I don't think it's the thing you want more than anything else in the world. And that's okay. It sounds like what you want is you want to have the life that you want and this other stuff. And for some people that other stuff literally falls out of the sky. A friend of mine said, 
this is my sister. I think y'all are going to get married. I can't be your friend anymore because I can't be friends with the guy who's dating my sister. And then we got married. And now me and him are great friends. That fell out of the moon. Is that fair? No, not at all. Be so annoyed if I wasn't me. And that doesn't impact you. So the question is not like, Mm. The question is not why not me. The question is, I've got a pretty good life that I've chosen. And if I want to choose something else, maybe I have to make some different choices because right so far it hasn't fallen out of the sky for me. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think too, I've in recent years really started to make some some drastic changes and like what? Um well, I started working out. I mean, I, I was way overweight. Now I'm not. I'm I'm slightly overweight now, so I'll call that progress. <laughs> um, Drake and I. Uh, Drake, stop with that. If you were way yeah. overweight and you're less overweight now, that's not. I'm just going to call that progress. That's one of the single hardest transitions a human can make in the 21st century. It's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And someone would be so blessed to be sitting at a table with you, with somebody with your character and discipline and willpower and joy. Yeah. Yeah, why, no, I mean, why, you're, you're, you're why, absolutely right. Why don't you like Drake? What is so sucky about Drake? Is that you were overweight? What is it? No, I just... You don't like you, man. Why? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Because I usually have a pretty good radar, and like instantly, you sound like somebody I'd like to hang out with. And I'm not just saying that. You know, I'm not just going to make that up on the show. Like, you sound like a funny guy, a good, fun, self deprecating in grad school kind of like, sound like a guy that I would hang out with, literally. Why don't you want to hang out with you? I don't know. I I just, I've always just seen sort of the negative. And it's my fault. Tell me what the negative is. Because I, how about this? I don't believe you. Tell me what the negative is. Change my mind. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yes, mind, you do. My mind's gone blank. No, you've got like two or three things. If you could snap your fingers and make Drake different right now, what would it be? Uh, I wish that I was in better shape. Okay. Uh, wish I looked better. Okay. Um, what does that mean? Like I aesthetically? Wish, yes. Okay. Um, wish I was more confident. Okay. Um, How do we get confidence? Uh, well, where I've had success in that area is I, I go out and I, I accomplish things. There you and go. then I look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. That's yeah. the only way you get confidence is a whole bunch of little wins piled up. Yeah. You can't, you can't uh, manifest or whatever they're saying on the internet these days. You can't invent and just state out into the universe. I'm confident. It's not like Michael Scott, like, I declare bankruptcy. That's not how that works, right? You can't do that with confidence. Yeah, you got to go out and do. Okay, so you wish you were more confident. You wish you weighed less. What else? You wish you had more muscle tone or whatever. What else? Um, I, I, I don't. Those are the two big ones. Um, What's in the black hole? Because those sit I on. Say I wish I. Those sit on top of something else. I've never thought of myself as very smart, so I wish I was. I was smarter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that that that's probably one. Um, who in your life? Who in your life has told you that you are the sum total of all these extrinsic things? Was it your mom? You got to get this many grades. You got to get into this school. Was it your dad? Where did that come from? Was no, coach. I, I don't. No, I think I, I think you know my parents. There was a lot of tension in the house growing up, right? So, um, you know, it was it was really uh, difficult to to be at peace, so to speak. But I wouldn't say that they ever told me that that I'm the 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 sum total of that. I mean, they're always supportive of me. They just hated each other, so they were always yelling. <laughs> yeah. But so, hey, hold on. Uh, so, just just so you know, and and if you've ever listened to the show, you've probably heard me talk about this. Kids absorb tension in their home, and it's a biological protective measure, but they make that tension their fault, and they try to solve it. And, that sounds right. And yeah. many kids will spend their entire adult lives trying to solve that childhood tension. And they always, if, if they can't reconcile it, if mom and dad never came back around and solved their marriage issues and created a warm, safe place for a kid to land, their nervous system knows one avenue. You're not enough. You couldn't get the job done. And that you're not enough, you couldn't get the job done, is that confidence. I know one thing about me, I couldn't get the job done. And that road, I mean, that's the road you take into jobs, into romantic relationships, into friendships, into church groups, into bowling leagues, into dance classes. That becomes the path until you decide, I'm taking a machete, I'm going to head off into the woods, I'm going to create a new one. Because this path is going to kill me. Yeah. And so as I hear you talk, I need you to hear me say this. The one thing about this show, I promise I'm going to tell the truth. You sound like a guy who's a lot of fun. And you sound like a guy who laughs. Are you a guy who laughs? Oh, yeah. I can hear yeah. it in you. Number three, you're in grad school. What are you studying? Accounting. You're not dumb. Oh, good God. You're not dumb. You're turning yourself <laughs> into a human calculator, for God's sakes. Although accounting is just like in that kind of balance sheet. Like, make sure this side's got more money than this side. Anyway, yeah. you're, you're getting a master's in accountant accountancy is that as they say it you're not dumb so here's your path forward okay i'm gonna give you a couple of things number one i'm gonna hook you up with my friends at mind pump and give you access to any of the workouts that you want on their whole site for free okay thank you and you can print it off and just follow it that's it thank you at least make a commitment to drake that i can do this and you go through there and pick any ones you want, and Jenna will hook you up with them. Um, those are some great friends. That's the same workout programs that I use, okay? So it's not about mechanics. Yeah. It's just about I'm, wor- I'm worth doing that today. I'm worth 45 minutes today. I'm worth that, okay? The second one is um, I'm going to hook you up with my buddy Lane Norton's uh, Carbon app, okay? It's a free – I'm going to give you a lifetime free subscription to it. And all it is is just about tracking, tra- tracking calories, okay, tracking what I eat. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks tracking stuff because you can't lie to the to the calculator. But it's also amazing. Okay, and he's going to give you that for free. The third thing is, I want you to write a letter to nine year old Drake, 
And when you write that letter, I want you to sit somewhere quietly by yourself and I want you to become nine-year-old Drake again. I want you to think of the house tension, the volume in the house or the silence in the house, that feeling of your dad walking into the room and your mom storming out of the room. I want you to feel all of that. And then as 28-year-old Drake, I want you to write nine-year-old Drake a letter. And I want you to tell Drake, I'm so sorry that you tried to carry the stability of that home. Mom and dad weren't mad at you. They were dealing with things in their life that we will, that you'll never know about. But, but you're worth being loved and you're worth having fun and worth having joy and worth having people like you and look you in the eye. And then as you said earlier about confidence, I want 28-year-old Drake to give 28-year-old Drake 30 days. And since you mentioned, you know, working out, we pick that one. But it could have been grad school. It could have been learning a new language. It could have been whatever. But will you give yourself 30 days? And by the way, you'll screw up one of those days. I sat with a guy recently. Um, we're working on a, on a, I guess for lack of better terms, a TV show. And it was a 90-day challenge. And I checked with him every 30 days. And after the first meeting, I told the team, there's no chance. He doesn't make 30 days. No chance. He made all 90. And as we said, we shot the final episode last week uh, or two weeks ago. And he said, 90 days, everything's different. The whole thing, the whole machine is turned around. What I'm going to tell you is if you find somebody that's wonderful and beautiful and that you are instantly want to create a connection with and make a life with, that Drake that you don't like will show up. Yeah. And that's not fair to you and that's not fair to whoever this person is you want to meet. And so the work is less to be done on, I've got to go, got to go, got to get, got to get. I hate it that you got it. I can't believe you have, you got, you're getting, oh, even Steve's getting married. Steve sucks. He's getting married. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not that. It's, dude, it's so rad. Good for you, man. I don't understand how you could get married, but that's so, so great that there's a glitch in the matrix that way. That's awesome. <laughs> that comes from a place of, I'm okay with me. Um, I had last year, Own Your Past, Change Your Future, the book sold a bajillion copies, way more than any of us thought I was going to sell. And I grew up a real poor kid. And, um, my wife didn't have a lot growing up either. I'm saying I wasn't a poor kid. We didn't have a lot. We did very, very little. And I've had the same group of buddies and all of them have done really, really well. And as I was, I've, I've obviously done good with my higher ed career and my dean of students jobs and stuff. We've done well, but it got silly. Last year was a silly year for us. And I called my buddy and I said, I just need to tell one person. This is what happened last year. The only person I told an actual number. And he said, good God, you? And I said, I know. And he got quiet. And he said, I'm so proud of you. I would start crying if you wouldn't make fun of me. Yeah. I had somebody in my corner that was there for me when things were hard. And he's the guy that I called one time when I had what I thought was internal bleeding. And I had called him and said, can I borrow your Southwest credit card so that I can go to the ER? And he said, I got you. And he's also the guy that 25 years later I called and he was like, dude, I'm so proud of you. And I want you to start that with Drake, being proud of Drake. Look at what we're doing, man. I'm going to give myself 30 days. I'm going to call two buddies and we're just going to hang out. 
and we're going to start building confidence with a bunch of little wins. The other thing I want you to do is I want you to start keeping a journal of the negative self-talk, the bullcrap stories you tell yourself. I used to be really overweight, now I'm less overweight. I guess I'll call that a win. No! That's a true, that's, that is a win. That's a huge win. <laughs> yeah. Well, if some yeah, girl wanted to be with me, she's going to think I, how do you know? How do you know? I don't really know. Cool. Well, then we're done with that thought. Until she says, I would love you, but you just are too fill in the blank. Then we're going to be sad and grieve that thought. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, as Brene Brown says, I'm not going to dress rehearse tragedy. I'm not going to continue to put all these layers in front of me and laughter and me and joy and me and home and me and a future. I'm not going to do that. It's a waste of my time. It feels protective, but it's not. It's isolating. So I just do a lot at you. What do you think? I think I think you're right, man. And and you know, like I like I started the call with with you know how blessed I really am. I I do. I'm very fortunate. I do have those friends in my life that that are you know there. But uh, have you yeah. have you said done talk talk to him and been honest? Yeah. I don't like. Yeah, I have. I don't like Drake. I have, and um, do they call you out for the bullcrap that is? Yeah, good. You no, know, they're they're good at they're good at calling that out. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> now everybody needs to take one step more and say, okay, we've thought about this a lot, we've talked about this a lot. Let's start acting. One of the great curses of modern mental health, the idea of quote unquote mental health, is if you just get all the right thoughts in the right order, then you're going to be mentally well. And I think that's false. That's a false narrative. You have to go do. You have to act. You have to, you have to engage. And you have to, like you said, create confidence based on, I kept showing up for me. I did an exercise thing for 30 days without stopping. Confidence. I can. I tracked what I put in my body for 30 days. I can. I took a journal and I wrote down every time I had a negative thought about me for 30 days and I challenged those thoughts. Some of them are true. Do I need to have weight to lose? Yep, that's still true. Am I a complete loser and nobody will love me and I'll never have a romantic relationship because of that? No, not true. And on and on and on. But all of this starts with you looking in the mirror and saying, Drake's worth loving. Drake's worth exercising. Drake's worth taking care of our body. Drake is worth calling his buddies. Drake is worth asking her out, even if she's going to say no. Whatever that may be. Thank you for the call, my brother. Hey, I'll walk with you every step of the way. You call if you need something. Um, if you get 30 days down the road and you want to call back and I'll celebrate with you, awesome. You want to call back and say, I completely failed. I'm going to go again. I'll cheer you on again. I'm super proud of you, brother. And I think this is going to be the day that everything changes. Cheer for your friends, man. Cheer for your friends. And cheer for Drake. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. 
All right, as you wrap up today's show, the song is by Marshmallow and Bastille. Marshmallow and Bastille. The song is called Happier. It goes like this. Lately, I've been, I've been thinking, I want you to be happier. When the morning comes, when we see what we've become in the cold light of day, we're aflame in the wind, not the fire that we've begun. Every argument, every word we can't take back because with all that has happened, I think we both know the way that the story ends. Then only for a minute, I want to change my mind because this just don't feel right to me. I want to raise your spirits. I want to see you smile, but know that means I'll have to leave. Hmm. I want you to be happier. But sometimes you don't have to leave. Either way, we're here for you. Party on. Stay in school. Be excellent to each other. Watch Bill and Ted's. Bye.